Yo, it's Steph. Hope you're doing well. Just thought I'd drop in this afternoon. I've got a listener call at four, but it's only 2.24 now. So I thought I'd drop by and say hi to you guys because uh, I don't know. Is there anything new uh, in the world? Anything new that's uh, going on? I'm not going to ask if you're doing well because you're listening to this show. You're into philosophy. I guarantee you, you're doing about as well as anybody can in these topsy-turvy times. So I'll start with some questions. I got some thoughts on Twitter and I got some thoughts on um well, inflation, I suppose. But if you've got any questions, uh, let's see. Somebody says, I just accepted a new job. How long do you think it will be until it's not worth working for U.S. dollars? See, they had to invent the word inflation because taxation would annoy people. And so people think that inflation is not the same as taxation. And inflation and taxation are the same thing. So, you know, if people say, well, there's 8.5% inflation. You can get mad at the store owners. You can get mad at the suppliers. You can get mad at whoever, right? But if you say um, your taxes just went up 8.5%, um, people would know what it really was. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tragic. Uh, yes. If you haven't subscribed now yet, says somebody, you should. It is most certainly worth it. Much more content. Much more content translates to much more content. <laughs> See, just a little change in emphasis on the wrong syllable. All right. Isabella's podcast is good so far. I just paused to catch the live stream. What do you think of China's lockdown? So, yeah, so China's lockdown, I mean, the zero COVID strategy is, I mean, talk about magical thinking. I mean, you might as well be sacrificing goats to get good rains, right? The idea that you can just lock people down and control a respiratory virus but so China, I know that the Communist Party is secular, of course, right? But there's still a lot of um, mythology that informs the ruling classes of China and their perception of the legitimacy of the state, right? So, yes, the ruler was appointed by heaven in the traditional medieval manner. The ruler is appointed by heaven. The emperor is appointed by heaven. But heaven can show its displeasure with the current rulers by inflicting a wide variety of natural disasters on the regime, and if the regime is struck by natural disasters, in many people's minds, you know, these are people who believe that, like, powdered tiger balls can give you bigger erections. Trust me, they can't. Um, but so the superstition that if the ruling elites are struck by a series of natural disasters, that completely undermines the perception of the legitimacy of the regime. So I think it's pretty important to understand that about China, that the reason they're pursuing zero, yes, about, it's about controlling people and bullying people and so on, but there is concern. China is, I mean, just going through a wild depopulation thing that's going on at the moment, right? It's not as bad as Japan, but uh, it, it's pretty bad. You know, they, they had the one-child policy for many years, and I, I watched part of a documentary, I couldn't get through, through it too much, about the brutal one-child policy forced abortions and forced sterilizations and pregnant women you know, running down the street half naked trying to get away from the uh, Communist Party members who were trying to kill the baby. Like, that's just, uh, uh, just hell, hell, hell itself, right? So if, the, if a whole series of natural disasters, and this is kind of true, right? Because people are say that they, they give up liberty for security, right? They, this is the idea, like you give up some part of your liberty in order to get the security of the state and they take care of the robbers and, and it's more stable than if there was warring warlords and so on, right? So that's sort of the idea. Now, so when times are good, people are okay with the state. When times get bad, then people question the legitimacy of the state if the state cannot provide them the kind of security that they 
are willing to trade their faith their, their freedoms for right and it's always the way that you end up with neither your freedoms nor the security so they have to pursue a zero covid policy because a lot of the superstitious chinese believe that the government loses legitimacy if natural disasters strike so um it's just where they're you know they've gained from the we trade security for we trade liberty for security they gain it's how governments gain but then when governments are no longer able to provide security anymore then um you have to pursue other strategies to control the population and that's what's uh, uh what's going on so uh let's see here inflate inflation is on putin not the spending during covid according to the msm yeah it's pretty wild eh it's pretty wild so uh, putin apparently is completely omnipotent like he can just control the entire economy of america but somehow he just couldn't get trump elected in 2020 just <laughs> couldn't quite get him way over there so and if if you were if you were to go back and calculate current levels of inflation according to the standards that were around in the 80s inflation would be well over 20 percent, which is i think kind of where where it is right and so of course they're talking gun control when you get inflation you, you always hear talk of gun control because people get restless when they can't afford their their stuff right so yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty wretched um but in inflation is god's way of reminding you that nothing is free that i mean that's all it is right so if you just get all of this uh, free stuff uh, during COVID, oh we get all these free things all this crazy spending and and all of that and most of the spending on COVID was ridiculously corrupt but it's just nature's way you know a sunburn is nature's way of staying saying wear sunscreen right and uh if you exercise too hard your tendons will hurt and that's nature's way of saying stop exercising so much right this is pain is the result of ignoring warning signs for the most part, right? And so they give you $1,000 and then they take away $5,000 in inflation. It's just a reminder that nothing is free. I mean, the entire system is based upon the idea that there's stuff that you can get for free. The government just pay for stuff. And given that there is nothing for free, at some point, you know, people will say, this is unpleasant. Now, of course, the nice thing, well, I mean, they know that it's unpleasant, but they'll connect it to, to where it actually comes from. It's so the great thing about inflation, as you know, is that uh, it, in a communist society, it's hard to hide because the government is both the uh, creator and the distributor and the seller of goods. But when you have a sort of, quote, capitalist class in between the money printers and the consumers, then people, the government can blame the money class. They can you know, blame Putin's thing. But here's the thing, too. So, like, they, they blame Putin's war, even though inflation started long, long before that but and, and it's going to be rough man it's going to be rough like 15 percent of the world's calories come from russia ukraine 15 percent of the world's calories come from russia ukraine so it's going to be another migrant wave coming out of africa when they can't eat it's just yeah the usual but of course here's the funny thing right even if you blame inflation on putin well how hard did America and the West as a whole fight to make sure that the war in Ukraine did not happen. Because it's pretty easy to do that, right? Just don't keep expanding eastward with NATO, right? Just keep Ukraine out of NATO. Pretty easy. There's no particular reason for Ukraine to be in NATO. There's no particular reason for NATO to exist. I mean, fighting the Cold War 
35 years after it ended just seems completely ridiculous. Of course, right? But nothing is as permanent as a temporary government program, right? We will just band together until communism in Russia is defeated. <laughs> well, it happened a long time ago. So now, instead of defending yourself against predatory communism, you're now inciting a Christian state to, riot, to, to, to wage war. So. so, yeah, even if you blame Putin, I mean, okay, well, did they, were they able to solve the invasion? Did they able to prevent the invasion? Wasn't that hard to do, but so anyway, let's see here. Bruh, I'm like 20 minutes into Izzy's parenting podcast. Why you do this to me? Uh, it's called an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> so glad my husband and I saved the most during that time. Obviously, we continue to save while others just blow what money they have. I, I can't, you know, I can't even tell you. Like the skin crawling horror, the centipede replacing my spinal cord horrifying Kafka-esque I've woken up as a cockroach experience of watching people not save, I, I don't even know. I, I feel like I watched um, the beginning of uh, the, the Dropout, which is uh, the Elizabeth Holmes fictionalization story, where oddly enough, Sonny Balwani was not bald. Isn't that wild? So they really worked to recreate everyone's look, really worked to recreate everyone's look. Sonny Balwani is uh, heavily balding, and yet the guy's, you know, got this thick, gorgeous hair, and it's interesting. And that's a very fascinating choice. Uh, which has very sort of deep implications when you think about it. Uh, so anyway, um, but at the beginning, uh, Elizabeth Holmes's dad lost his job when Enron collapsed, right? And the fact that the dad was part of a corrupt and fraudulent company and then the daughter was running a corrupt and fraudulent co company is not escaped on anybody with any psychological insight. But, I mean, the parents, they live in this... Uh, Elizabeth Holmes's parents lived in this big, beautiful mansion, tons of cars, and, you know, like just obviously spending money uh, hand over fist, like a drunken sailor on leave, right? And, man, I, uh, I, I literally can't, I, can't, I can't handle watching people live like that. Like, I, I, I can't be in anyone's orbit who spends what they make. I mean, I, I knew a guy when I was younger. You know, we, we both kind of tunneled up from having no money to having some decent coin in the business world, and every time he got a race, he'd just go on some big-ass vacation. He'd buy some, he'd upgrade his car, he'd remodel his house. And I, I remember saying to him, like, for God's sakes, man, stop. Stop. Have some money. Peace, like, you can't... What, what thing is worth more than peace of mind? What thing is worth more than peace of mind? Please, dear God, save your assets. Have some money for a rainy day. Maybe it's growing up poor or whatever it is, but, you know, if you don't have six months of living expenses uh, somewhere tucked away, um, you're, you're, you're absolutely courting disaster. You're absolutely courting disaster. And, and in particular, people who didn't save over the last couple of years, when everybody knew that the money printer was going, right, everybody knew. So if you didn't save, knowing that inflation was coming, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I almost like I literally have no sympathy for the people who haven't saved. I mean, I, I, every time I, I walk past the Apple store, there's people waiting to get in. You know, every, every time you walk past the restaurant, they're now, you know, full to the rafters with people eating out. Uh, it's just wild. You know, the Amazon porch pirates aren't finding any shortages of what people are ordering. And so people are just spending like mad. And now the price of everything's going up. And okay, look, you, you got the latest PS5. And now you can't afford food. Okay, well, I guess you could eat your PS5. <laughs> I just don't understand why 
people don't save. It is just absolutely insane. It's absolutely, I mean, a friend of mine, many years ago, he's not a friend of mine anymore, but many years ago, I've mentioned this before, I think, but he had this, he was completely obsessed by music and he would go to every concert and he would write down every set list and he would, he would literally go to back before YouTube or whatever, right? There was, you'd have to go to these, these big uh, giant conventions and there would be record sellers with like bootleg copies of printed vinyl concerts, right? And, and you wouldn't really get a chance to even uh, preview them. And it's funny, you know, I, I, listening to live songs has always been a great, I, I love, you know, don't you love that comparison of studio versus live? I had an album many, many years ago, I got from a secondhand record store called Crooked Cops, which was the police, like Sting, Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland, their tour of Australia. And I listened to the audio of their tour of Australia, and it was really cool. And then many years later, I ended up going to exactly the same cities that they went to, <laughs> but with slightly more uh, aggression and excitement from our friends, uh, black-clad friends on the left. So my friend would, would go and, and he would buy things and, and he would buy movies. He would buy, he would buy movies. And I gotta tell you, like and, until I bought, until I had a kid, I honestly don't think I ever bought a movie, except maybe I think I bought Lost in Space to test the new Blu-ray player when I had one, my first one many years ago. So buying movies has always been incomprehensible to me because I don't generally re-watch movies. I mean, if you if you love a book, you can buy a book. Of course, maybe you can re-watch it and so on. I'll reread it. But buying movies never made any sense to me because life is short. You really get to watch the same movie, even if you love it over and over again, right? So... He, he had this whole wall. He had this whole wall of albums and movies and VHS tapes and DVDs and then Blu-rays. And he would literally get the same concert. He got it on cassette. Then he got it on vinyl. Then he got it on DVD. Then he got it on Blu-ray. And it's like, dude, what are you, crazy? What, are you absolutely insane? Why, why on earth would you have all of this stuff? This makes no sense. And then he did end up losing his job. And uh, he, I remember he was just saying, like he was staring at the, um, he was just staring Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that noise. I think my name is snow blowing. But you would, um, he would stare at this wall and he'd be like, I got, I got probably 30,000 bucks into this stuff. And now, do you know how much I could use that 30 grand? And I'm like, yeah, this is why I told you to stop buying this stuff years ago. And he's like, you know, he would like, and I remember once like being at his house, like, why are you buying all this stuff? And he said, you know, well, I might watch it. Re and I went, I went to literally one of his, uh, one of his, uh, 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 one of his uh, Blu-rays. No, it was um, VHS. And I literally went along the top, lifted it up, and my foot, my my finger tip was like dark with dust. And it's like, dude, you haven't touched this in years. When are you gonna crack it out and watch it again? You can't even keep track of this dynamo. Crazy. So please, please, I, I implore you, I'm on my knees imploring you, you know, save for a rainy day. Please don't spend all your money. Don't spend all your money. The only thing I will spend money on is the show. All right, let's see here. I got a new job, says someone that pays well, and the work is very easy. I work at home and have an easy life now, feeling like I don't deserve this. Have you ever had imposter syndrome before, and what do you think causes it? Pardon me. See, it's a funny thing, right? I talked about dust and then I sneezed. <laughs> There's no dust in the studio. Uh, so yeah, so imposter syndrome for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because imposter syndrome is when you break through the low expectations of those around you. 
Right? Imposter syndrome is not something that's internally generated. So imposter syndrome is something that is generated when the people around you are threatened by your success. And then when you break through something and you have a better life or you, you break past other people's successes, then they get quite anxious. Because a lot of people have, I think most people have vast untapped potential, vast untapped potential. But their social circle is based on being a loser, right? Just, just you can't win, don't try. It's cool to smoke drugs. It's cool to waste your time. It's cool to drink. It's cool to go to bars. It's cool to sleep around. Don't be so uptight, relax, live a little, blah, 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 blah. And um, so if your entire social circle is around underachievement, then if you start to achieve, you threaten your entire social circle, which is a, a coven of losers uh, all dragging each other down to the bottom so that they don't have to confront the limitations of their social circle, of their parents, of their school, or everyone who said, you can't achieve much, uh, you don't really matter. And so they make a cult of being losers. Loser cult. A loser cult is a horrifyingly common phenomenon and uh, destroys people. The loser cults, you know, I, I used to take my daughter to a cool restaurant which had all these games, like all these games on the walls. And we would sit there, we'd play Battleship, or we'd try and figure out some new game while we, uh, we ate uh, some food and you know every now you'd see and, and if you go to D&D stores which we went to because she went through a I love dice phase which was great and we would go and they would you would see all these these guys usually guys maybe a couple of usually overweight women but you know supremely unattractive unathletic people in in the back of these stores uh you know still in their late 20s early 30s maybe even older you know still playing Dungeons and Dragons or or whatever it is right now it's totally fine. It's not, not the end of the world or anything like that, but it's a, and, and it's a very tempting way uh, to, to live below the radar, to, to live never threatening the interests of any bad people, just, you know, completely uh, easy live and quiet diet, right? Like you, three minutes after you're dead, people are like, was he even here? Oh, that guy. You'll have to show me a photo. I, I, I don't really remember how he looked. But what, is it, what did he look like again? Something doughy. And so this, this loser cult, is when you're band together and if any of you try to get bigger or better, like all the losers who can't get a girlfriend, let's say, and then one guy gets a girlfriend, the other, right, the others get mad at him because he's reminding them that it's possible. They just have to maybe work out a little, get their teeth whitened or whatever. Like, I don't know what what they need to do, right? But the loser cult is is really... I mean, it's a dangerous, dangerous undertow. And it, it pulls people out of the economy and it pulls people out of the gene pool all the time. And I, I really hate it. I really hate it. I, I mean, I remember when I was in my sort of, in my teens, I spent a couple of weekends drinking too much. And yeah, it was a loser cult. Now it was, you know, successful guys. Uh, you know, the guy's parents were successful and so on. And they were usually, you know, good looking guys, pretty athletic guys. But you just knew this drinking thing was, was a bad idea. And the loser cult is really, and, and in order for me to get the success that I have had over the years, you just have to, you have to bail on the loser cult. You can't drag them up. It's like, it's like you know, if, if somebody ties you to a princess cruise line boat anchor and you, you can't, you can't, flap your way back to the surface with the boat anchor dragging you down. You just got to cut the boat anchor. It's the only way you're going to survive. And the loser cult is a really, really rough thing. And I, I, I resist it with all my might because it is such a, a coward's coven 
and a way of avoiding the necessary challenges and great virtues and joys of uh, taking on the bad guys and promoting virtue and you know and, and even if you don't want to do like anything as kind of quasi superhero as that kind of stuff at least just getting out of the tiny limitations of loserville you know and and getting out there in the world and uh, taking some risks and having some adventures and falling on your face and getting your heart broken and you know just getting out there and living so yeah it's uh so imposter syndrome uh, I wouldn't look in your own heart and say, oh my gosh, I just mysteriously feel like a failure. I just mysteriously feel like... No, no, no. Look at all the people around you. How do the people around you feel about you becoming successful? How do your friends and family and whoever, how do they feel about you becoming successful? And, of course, if your friends are successful... If your friends are successful, they very much want you to be successful. What's that old Gore Vidal life? It is not. It's not. It is not just that we. It is not enough that we succeed. Our friends must also fail. That's a very petty way of you. But you want your friends to succeed, right? And if you're successful, and and your friends want you to succeed, and and if you don't succeed, right, you will you will drift apart from your friends. Like if your friends are successful, and you're, and and I say loser, not failure. Because failure is totally different from loser. Failure is inevitable. Failure is inevitable. I mean, I've done almost 5,000 podcasts. One of them is my worst. Hopefully not today. <laughs> but, you know, whatever I was doing it, I just had to keep plowing on. Failure is not a problem. Failure is a mark of success. You never pull a muscle unless you're exercising. At least, I hope not. So I don't say Failures. Losers. Losers are, the losers are the people who don't even enter the race. Right? Go out, ask the girl out. If she says no, lick your wounds, go ask someone else out. Right? So, oh, I failed to get that girl to go out with me. Yeah, but you're not a loser because you went out and tried. I failed to achieve this. Okay, but did you try? If you didn't even try, you're a loser. If you tried and failed, you're not a failure. You're a failure when you give up. Right? You go ask one girl out, she says no, and then you're like, oh, that's it. I'm not asking any. Okay, now you're... Now you're a failure and you're a loser because you're not out there. You just got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. You're not made of glass. You're not made of cobwebs and candy floss and gossamer. You're, you're made of stern, meaty stuff. You know, we climb to the very top of the food chain. We're the alpha predators of the planet and of the known universe. We are the most powerful, most brilliant, most powerful, most aggressive, most victorious species in the known universe. But that girl might be mean to me. <laughs> Honor your ancestors and the toughness they had to have to give you life. Don't uh, flush it all away for nothing. All right. Did I get a new mic? It's crispy clear. Sounds tight. Yes. I not only got a new mic, uh, I spent a lot on a new microphone, spank a new camera. Uh, I got a new mixer and a whole new way of producing these shows. So, yes. Oh, what does my mug say? Uh, I will hold it up for you. Uh, my mug says... It is well with my soul. And uh, it's reminding me of the spiritual side of philosophy. Ten years ago, I spent nearly $2,000 buying movies on Google, Google's movie platform. Right. Right. Why GD? Why GD? This is what I always thought about, like buying movies. Buying movies? How many times can you watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off? God, <laughs> 
Why are you watching? Okay, I watched Jaws a bunch of times when I was a kid. But, yeah, why GD? You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. Why would you watch the same movie over and over again? Now, again, when I became a parent, we, you know, my daughter was into some movies. We watched them a bunch of times, but we'd always talk about them. And, you know, I, I remember she liked the movie Cars. And I spent a couple of months with her mostly doing a bad Southern accent, like, <laughs> like Mater. Uh, and she said that, be Mater, be Mater, all right. So, yeah, I mean, so, but that's, that's for kids, right? That's for kids. Kids love that kind of repetition, right? So, yeah, you're going to die, right? So you spent $2,000 buying movies, right? So let's do, let's do a little math here, right? So $2,000, let's say that the movies, you know, I assume that, you know, 10 bucks, right? So um, you watch the movies once. Let's say you watched each movie, right? So you got 10 bucks a movie. So you got 200 movies out of $2,000. Uh, 200 movies, it's 400 hours, right? So 400 hours, let's divide that by 24. So you got, uh, you know, 17 days minus a bit. 17 days, you bought 17 days worth of movie watching straight, right? Let's say you, you make it a job, right? Let's say that you uh, make it a job and you just do it... Um, you know, seven point seven hours a day, right? So to watch your movie collection, you need, my God, that's crazy. Oh yeah, no, um, hang on. Um, yeah, because let's, let's, yeah, let's say it's a job, right? You got 400 hours of movies. Uh, let's say 37.5. So yeah, that's uh, it's, uh, almost 11 weeks of, movie watching full time a day you just paid i mean when are you ever going to watch 11 weeks of movies right uh, seven times so seven and a half hours a day straight like it's never going to happen right so i understand that right and and that's just money that's gone right well it's gone into you know hey man harvey weinstein isn't you know those drugs aren't going to pay for themselves right we get huge boxes of dvds and blu-rays for two dollars at auction crazy yeah yeah Um, I'm now dating my ex-wife and son's mother and received some pointed and harsh but needed advice from you late last year. Don't whine. Any advice on keep amends going and ensure she feels loved? I, uh, I sense simping. I sense simping, I'm afraid. I sense simping. Um, keep your woman happy but don't have your main focus on keeping your woman happy. So men and women, we're designed to face the world and provide resources to our women. We're not designed to just face our women and worship them. That's going to cause her to fall out of love with you because she's like, yeah, 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 that's great. You know, can I get some cheddar for the kids, right? So uh, go out there, do stuff in the world and obviously show your appreciation and love her and all that. But uh, if you kneel before a woman, you just fall through the trap door of hypergamy and vanish to the world. Any reaction to the French election? Um, not much. I mean, I know that um, Macron is first, Marine Le Pen is second. They're going to go for another runoff on the 24th, I think it is. And, you know, but the entire establishment is there to keep Macron in power and to make sure that uh, Le Pen and her nationalism, uh, you know, I mean, the, the French generals are saying, oh, yeah, we keep getting this multiculturalism. We're going to have a, a civil war. And so, okay, so the French people get to choose whether they get peace or they get war, whether they have borders, whether they have a country or not. And 
I'm have no interest anymore in standing between the people and their mistakes. No interest in standing between the people and their mistakes, right? So the loser cult is, well, I can't say I support Le Pen because that makes me a xenophobic, racist, ultra-nationalist, far-right, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, you never see far-left written anywhere. You never even say left-leaning, but you see far-right all the time. And far-right is just a, it's a dog whistle just to say, we have programmed people to attack you if you support this position that is called far-right. Is there far-right? Absolutely. I mean, look at the, the crazy neo-Nazis in, in Ukraine, but they're praised these days, so nobody has any issue with anything. I mean, if, if you want to understand like the morals of the modern world, it's, pre it's pretty simple. Look up the life of Michel Foucault. Michel Foucault is the most cited and quote, quoted philosopher, moral philosopher as well, in, in the world. Like not even just on the left or among Marxists. And the man was a complete moral monster, absolute, complete and total moral monster. Like, he, he, he raped little boys in Tunisia in a graveyard. It's not enough to get him cancelled. Not only is it not enough to get him cancelled, he's the number one cited intellectual in the modern world. And he got AIDS and knowingly transmitted it to other people. I mean, he was into, uh, like, serious torture bondage fetishes. Uh, a complete moral monster about as repulsive and, and horrifying and evil a human being as you could possibly design if you had all of Satan's architecture at your disposal, this is who you would produce. And he's massively respected. You, get, you can teach courses on him. You can use his course materials. He's the most cited guy in modern academia. I get canceled, and I'm a really good guy. And this guy is lionized and praised in Western intellectual circles, in universities, everywhere, everywhere. And he was a violent pedophile and a soft murderer of disease spreading. I mean, that, that, that's all you need. Like, there's nothing else. I remember when I first read about this guy, I'm like, oh, that can't be real. That can't be right. No, come on. As I'm... I'm because I sort of sit in such a natural, healthy state, when you see this kind of disease out there, it's, it, it, it really blows my mind. That it's like, how, how, how could this be not just tolerated, how could this guy be the most cited, most prominent, most respected intellectual in the world? How would anyone listen? How could anyone possibly listen to this guy about truth, virtue, goodness, appropriateness, rightness, wrong, anything? I mean, it, it, it's absolutely stunning to me. So when the media says so-and-so is far right or whatever it is, right, what they're saying is if you support this person or this position, we've already programmed people to attack you, right? You might as well go into that, what, the movie A Quiet Place where you can't say anything or the aliens find you, go out and, you know, sit in barbed wire and yodel. All the lasers of... NPC bot attack programming will land on your forehead and you'll be chased out of society. So good luck with that. All right. Uh, yeah. So like there's this thing that happens. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. I'm sure you have, right? So it's this thing that happens where, look, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be special. Everybody wants to stand out. Everyone wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to be loved. 
it's such a foundational demand of our souls. And what the propaganda mills in the world do is they say, we can't give you love because that would mean thinking for yourself, being an individual, questioning power, finding a path forward to truth without being programmed. So we can't give you love. We can't give you love, but we can give you two things kind of related. The first thing we can give you is approval. We can't give you love. Love would be the kind of the opposite of propaganda, but we can give you approval. Oh, and if you don't take the approval, we can punish the living shit out of you, right? We can't give you love, but we can give you approval and punishment. A stick and a carrot, that's all we can do. All we can do is train you with benefits and punishments. We can't give you love, of course not. Love would be the opposite of propaganda. Love is when you are individuated, you think for yourself, you have your own conclusions, you make your own arguments, you are deeply, intellectually, morally, spiritually yourself. Then you can be loved. Why? Because you can stand out. You're not just some, a Matissean thumbprint backgrounder. You're not just an extra in a sea of a movie like background scene, just like, you're not an NPC. Why would someone choose you? What's the fundamental question of love, relation? Why would someone choose you rather than the person next to you? What's that old, it's an old Jerry Seinfeld line about why women's dresses at a wedding are all individualized, but the men all look the same? And that's just because men are fundamentally interchangeable. You know, if the groom vanishes, everyone just takes one step over and the marriage continues, right? That's why they say, do you take this guy <laughs> to be your lawful wedded husband? Just this guy. So, why you? Why me? Why would you be chosen? Out of everyone else. Why would somebody look at you and say, you, you, you and you alone are my heart's desire that I will be loyal to and love, connect with, and be passionate about for the rest of my life? So propaganda will punish you with ostracism and reward you with approval. And that's so tempting, so tempting. I get that temptation. I really do. Lord knows I've been... <laughs> susceptible to it myself and occasionally it happens even now when i see people that i help get their career starting and they're going on these big tours i mean i get it like I, it there's a little eh, i get it it totally makes sense you got to know these temptations you can't just ridicule them as right or as a friend of mine said very cynically when i was in my teens he said ah Everybody who complains about other people selling out clearly was never offered a good price for themselves. Oh, this band totally sold out. It's like, okay, they were offered a million dollars to produce this album. Whoever offered you a million dollars. It's easy to complain about other people selling out if you've never received a good offer for your soul. So I get the temptation. I really do. It makes perfect sense to me, and I still feel twinge from time to time. I am human, obviously. <laughs> So the propaganda guys will just say, well, we'll punish the shit out of you. Or we won't, but we'll program people to punish the shit out of you if you don't go along with what we say. 
So we'll give you approval and we'll threaten you with ostracism. You'll lose everyone if you don't go. And so everyone just conforms, right? Everyone just conforms. Now, if you conform, you get relief from the punishment and reward mechanism. Because you, if you conform, no one's really going to disapprove of you. And no one's really going to punish you because just conforming. You're not talking about this. You're not having this perspective. You don't question this. You, right? You put the Ukrainian flags in your bio. And so, but they give you that relief from punishment and satisfaction of approval. It's a devilish bargain because now no one can love you because you've abandoned your true self and your God-given or nature-given birthright of a sovereign consciousness. You've abandoned all of that for the sake of blind swimming along in the current approval. Like you ever sit there on a river and you watch all the salmon swimming, they're all going the same way. They're all kind of indistinguishable from each other. There's nobody swimming the other way. There's nobody swimming cross-current. They're all the same. Right? And because they're all the same, you can't love any one of them. You have to stand out. You have to be yourself. And being yourself means rejecting propaganda. And being yourself means... I can be loved. That's the great pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. If you reject propaganda, yeah, you'll be attacked. You'll be ostracized. You might be deplatformed. All of these things, for sure. In fact, the bigger you are, the more inevitable that process will become. Is it worth it to be loved? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, absolutely. Completely. And totally. And really, you could argue it's necessary. <laughs> it's necessary to be loved. If you listen to the show that I did with my daughter, obviously, we have great regard for each other. We enjoy each other's company enormously. We love, she hates, <laughs> she's got a half British, right? Well, I guess quarter British. Uh, so she, oh, quarter Irish. So not, not a big one for emotional demonstrations, but I mean, I know. So, yeah, it's, so in, in France, I know this is a long way to answer the question about the French election, but in France, well, if you somehow approve of or say anything positive about Le Pen, then you're a xenophobic, white nationalist, racist, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we're going to punish you, and we're going to signal you as someone to be punished, and people are going to turn their backs on you, or they're going to reject you, or they're going to ostracize you, or try and get you fired from your job, and all that, right? It's not an election. It's too much interference, right? It's a dare. And if people choose the propaganda over thinking for themselves, and look, the pen is not perfect, obviously, I mean, but it's a debate that's really not even allowed to have, right? So if the French people as a whole are just like, well, I'm going to choose conformity over thought, I'm going to choose approval over reason. I'm going to reject evidence. And it's not that people do, the problem is not that people do that. The problem is not that people reject reason. The problem is that they lie to themselves about it. 
That's the problem. The problem is that they lie to themselves about it and say that it's virtuous. The problem is not like, oh my God, I can't possibly support Le Pen because everybody would ostracize me and that's too high a price to pay and I'm surrounded by these people who've been programmed into attack, anyone who deviates from the central narrative and all that. Okay, well then say, okay, well I'm going to shut up about this topic because I just don't want to sacrifice everything for whatever, right? Okay, that's fine. Then I mean, you can do anything you want as long as it doesn't aggress against other people and you're honest about it yourself, right? With yourself. Honest about it with yourself. But they say, no, 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 I'm, I just don't want to be one of those terrible people. I'm a good person. It's the right thing to do. It's moral. It's this. Okay, well, if they can get you to substitute, if they can get you to replace virtue with conformity but still call it virtue, there's no way out. You can't get a man or a woman to act against what he or she defines as virtuous. You just can't. So it's one thing to say, oh, my God, no, I don't want to get doxxed and attacked and blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to make those decisions for other people. That's, that's a personal choice to make for everyone, right? But it's when you say, not, I'm frightened of the bad guys, so I'm going to do what they say, but I'm one of the good guys. When you are actually just conforming to punishment and reward, like a puppy being house-trained. It's when you say it's virtuous. That's So if, and I think it's inevitable, right? Macron is who the elites want, so... They're going to get Macron, and it uh, just means that the lessons have to get harsher and harsher until uh, people learn. So, Your new novel may well be the best I have ever read. Oh, thank you. You're referring to Just Poor? It is a, it's a great novel, my God. I listen to it now, like I can't believe I pulled it off. What a great story. Yes, justpoornovel.com. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's an old novel, but a new reading. Let's see here. I waste a lot of my time being nostalgic. Collecting movies seems like a way to remind yourself that you aren't doing anything new and remarkable in the here and now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Watching an old movie to forget about your current misery. I think that's quite true. I can't watch any of the new movies. It's just, I just it's too obvious. It's too obvious what they're doing. Some movies look different or teach me something new every time I watch, like rereading a classic novel. Yes. Um, look, I've watched movies more than once. I'm not saying, oh my God, you can't. I mean, it's not rule thing, right? So, Ah, let's see here. Hi, Stefan. The last few days I've come to the awful realization that I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I appreciate your self-knowledge. And just remember that it's an awful realization perhaps, but it's much better than the alternative, which is to not realize that at all. Determined to stay sober from this point onwards, but the beginning of a difficult journey. Again, I would recommend Gabriel Maté. He's been on the show a couple of times, and his book, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, really good at understanding addiction. Gas stations are now super busy no matter what time of day it is. Oh, man, don't even get me started. Oh, too late. I'm afraid you've <laughs> pulled the pin on the grenade. So I simply do not understand what everyone's doing all day. I mean... I work from home. I do, to some degree, set my own schedule. And so sometimes I will go out, you know, one one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon, after lunch, before the end of the day. Everyone's driving around. Everyone's doing their thing. Everyone's... <laughs> Why? I mean, I get it. Some people are driving to sales appointments or whatever, and, and other people might be shift workers and so on, but it's just like everywhere. 
everywhere. Uh, did you see the mathematician and physicist yelling at Ben Shapiro? Do you think universities are dropping their standards even for the hard sciences as well? Oh yeah, no, it's, it's not. That's not even my theory. Of course, of course, they're dropping their standards, right? Because inclusivity means lowering your standards. If you want to include forty percent of the population, or like it used to be, ten percent of the population went to university. If you want to get fifty percent of the population going to university, you just have to lower your standards like crazy. Of course. No, no question of that, right? So, and, and the universities are openly saying that, you know, objectivity is a white colonialist Western, blah, 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 blah. Completely, yeah, just dropping it all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's see here. You were talking to a listener last stream about how the guy hasn't had a lot of experience with women and how that's going to be a red flag for women. No, no. Uh, yeah, I... I, I I try not to be annoyed, but it happens, be honest with you, you know, when people just misinterpret what I say. The issue is not whether you do or don't have a lot of experience with women. The issue is not whether you have a lot of relationships, short relationships, long relationships, that makes this none none of that is an issue. None of that is an issue. The only issue is, do you have a coherent story that makes sense as to why you're ready to love now? So if you don't have a lot of relationships, you say, you know what, I was kind of avoidant. I didn't want my what my parents wanted. I, I was talked into you know, monk MGTOW model 12 by some loser cult. And I broke free of that. And I realized that I absolutely want to get married and be committed and have a great relationship. And I did my therapy and here's my self workbook. As long as you have a, you can be a virgin till you're 35 and be a real catch. You just got to be able to explain what the hell's happening. Like if, if you have a two year gap in your resume, I know this, I would interview people all the time. If you have a two year gap in your resume, it's not necessarily a problem. It's not a problem if you have it, but you've got to have a good story or a good explanation as to why there's a two-year gap in your resume. Oh, my mother got sick. I just realized I loved her so much. She was old. I wasn't going to get much time together with her. I decided to take care of her. Whatever you're going to say, right? I realized, you know, at 30, I had never had any fun in my life, so I took two years off to travel the world, and I learned so much, and I met with different cultures, and I learned some Swahili. What, what? You've just got to have some explanation. It's not what you have done with your life. It's what you've learned from what you've done with your life that counts. You could have been a former drug addict and you could say, I realized it was based on childhood trauma. I did two years of therapy. I journaled, I blah, 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 blah. And now I help other people and I've turned it. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters whether you know why you did it. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter that I was deplatformed. It matters that I know why it happened. It doesn't matter if you've had a lot of breakups. It matters if you know why you had a lot of breakups and how to avoid it in the future. So don't look at your past as anything other than a giant university you have to graduate from by understanding what the hell happened and why and how to change it going forward. People say, oh my God, I did this, I did that, wrong. None of that matters. doesn't matter if you did wrong things or bad things or made mistakes. That doesn't matter. What matters is you learn the shit out of what and why and how. So that you don't repeat it. If you graduate from fuck up university, you're a winner. But you got to take the exam. You got to take the test. And the test is why and how to change it.
I remember seeing Foucault on my parents' bookshelf when I was a kid. Scary to think of now. Oh, one day, probably when I'm very old, I will talk about what was on my mother's bookshelf. All right. Foucault legitimizes or attempts to evil. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Should we use philosophy to reach the brainwashed or just take advantage of them? I don't think it's fair to take advantage of brainwashed people. I wouldn't be around them in general, but no, I don't think it's fair. Greetings from the Norwegian fjords. What do you think the purpose of self-attacking is from an evolutionary standpoint? It seems counterproductive, yet people do it all the time, myself included. So you're not self-attacking, you're self-protecting. You're not self-attacking, you're self-protecting. So, um, when you're a child, if you have violent or abusive or aggressive parents, there are certain behaviors that will cause them to be abusive. And for my mother, it was giving her any responsibility for what happened in her life. If, if I attempted to give my mother even the slightest shred of responsibility for what had happened in her life, no matter how gently and positively I approached that topic, she would explode with rage. I remember, I've told you this before, I, I was at a pizza hut in Don Mills, sitting in a booth, and with a big pitcher of ice water, a little pizza we were eating, and she was complaining about how stressed she was, how the, and then I said, look, I mean, I understand that the stress is terrible, you know, we're right across from the library. Why don't we go and read some books on how better to manage stress? How, how can you better manage? I mean, I accept it's very difficult what you're going through, blah, blah, blah. Let's at least try and get some understanding of how the stress can be managed better. Literally, screaming, she dumped a pitcher of ice water uh, on me, and, you know, we just kind of had, I just kind of had to hurry out and threw money at the table, and right? So e even if I was saying, look, which I didn't believe. Oh yeah, all your ailments are 100% legitimate. You're not a hypochondriac, but let's try and figure out how we can deal with the stress. How could you deal with the stress of these legitimate ailments? I didn't believe they were legitimate or whatever, right? So just trying to give her a couple of tools on how to manage stress. You have to learn how to manage stress in this life, obviously, because if you're doing anything other than conforming, it's going to be stressful. And even if you conform, the stress just builds over time when you realize you've wasted your life. So... For my mother, just trying to give her any responsibility for anything, right? Because she had to feel like a victim so she could be a bully, right? That's just how you become a bully is you feel like a victim. The cry bullies, they call them, right? And so I, I knew that, right? And so when I would consider bringing that topic up with my mother, particularly after that incident, which happened when I was about 20 or 21, I think. After that incident, when I would start to bring up things if I were going to step on any of the landmines that really made my mother blow up, I would feel tension and resistance to do that. Now, I wasn't self-attacking. Don't say it. Don't do it. I wasn't self-attacking. I was self-protecting. So you don't want to look at self-attack like it's just some irrational thing. You just start yelling at yourself and so on. Why do you, you yell at yourself? You yell at yourself or you attack yourself in order to appease the bullies who either were or are around you. Because if you attack yourself, you will lower the aggression of the bullies around you. 
right? I, I posed this question to you before. If you really want to understand self attacks, quite simple. Let's say some guy who's twice your size stands in front of you and says, listen, Bob, either you punch yourself or I punch you. Which, which is it going to be? And he cracks his knuckles and he flexes his big-ass meaty muscles, right? He says, look, you're going to get hit either way. Either you hit yourself or I'm going to hit you. What would you choose? Well, of course you would choose to hit yourself because you can manage that, right? And hitting yourself would appease him now. He's thinking, oh, well, he hit himself. I exercised control over him. I've broken him. I win. And Right? So you're literally saving your jaw from getting broken or getting a concussion or brain damage or whatever, right? So yes, you hit yourself to appease the bullies around you. You self-attack to appease the bullies around you, which is why it's impossible to stop self-attacking as long as there are bullies around you. Because everyone sort of tries to fix these things within themselves without changing the environment that's causing them. You know, it's like rubbing aloe vera on your skin because of a sunburn while still standing out there in the sun. You're just going to make it worse. You have to change. Saying that we can just internally manage our own states with no reference to the external factors that have provoked those internal states, it really is, I mean, I understand, it's, it's kind of a craziness when you think about it, right? You know, I'm, I'm standing chest deep in a frozen river. I can't believe how cold it is. I've got to think about how to heat myself up, how to feel warmer without getting out of the river. And you're just in this weird death spiral mental management phase where you're hysterically trying to manage your own responses without changing the environment that's continually provoking those responses. Fix your environment, then fix yourself. Fix your environment, then fix yourself. You know, it's like all the people who say, I'm left wing. Really? Tell me, tell me this. We'll try this. You think you're left wing? You think you're a socialist or communist or social democrat? If you think you're left wing, try this. Go to a gym and lift weights for three to six months. Take a self-defense class. If it's legal in your environment, learn how to use a gun. But particularly go to the gym. And in particular, develop your upper body strength. Because socialism is generally chicken-chested. And I'm not kidding about this. The less upper body strength you have as a man, the more likely you are to be left-leaning. You don't know if you're left-leaning or just a weakling. If you strengthen yourself, if you lift weights, if you exercise... Who knows where you end up on the political spectrum? People just try and fix their ideas without fixing their environment or their body or whatever, right? <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, if, if you get a, a nail, you know, through the soft part of your hand, like, shh, nail gun puts it, and you're like, shit, man, that really hurts. Tetanus, infections, man, some bad stuff could happen with this nail through the soft part of my thumb. Well, I guess I'm going to have to live with this now. And then you spend, you know, a week or two just trying to manage that. Oh, man, every time I move my hand, it just gets worse. I get to put polysporin on it, I, you know. And you're just managing this situation. To which a sane person will say, have you tried going to the hospital and having the nail taken out? <laughs> Can you do that? Is, that? is that something that's on the agenda? Because, you know, then you might just not have to manage this nail through your hand. 
or you'll manage the effects, but it'll heal. You can change it, right? So just trying to manage your thoughts and feelings without looking at your environment. That's something I said on the show years ago. You might have social anxiety disorder, or you might just be surrounded by assholes. You might have low self-esteem, or you might just be addicted to the loser cult. You might be self-attacking, or you must be, or you might just be surrounded by aggressive bullies who will attack you less if you attack yourself. Right? So, self-attacking is to protect you from bullies, and uh, you can't fix it as long as there are bullies in your life. Because I'm an empiricist, right? So, let's see here. Uh, the superhero movies are the worst, just straight social engineering, pure fantasy world where the writers can suggest anything to the mind of the viewer. I've made this case before. Uh, superhero movies are the ultimate loser cult. Superhero movies are the ultimate loser cult. And it's escaped absolutely no one's attention that the people most into the superheroes movies are the biggest losers around. So there are superheroes telling you Unless you fall into a vat of radioactive waste or have recently arrived from the planet Krypton, you can't do anything. And if you don't have superpowers, man, you can't do anything. Because the enemies all have superpowers. The bad guys all have superpowers. So, like, there was what's that guy who, who was, like, filmed himself, like, bursting into tears about some trailer for a new Star Wars movie, and they try to crawl into these worlds like they're real, and the same thing happens with some Dungeons & Dragons people who take it on a little bit too long, like the Lord of the Rings addicts or the Game of Thrones addicts or whatever, right? Every piece of magic in a movie puts you further and further away from being a hero in your own life. Well, you know, when I get that flaming sword, when I pull Excalibur out, when I fall into this vat, when I get bitten by a radioactive spider, by God, then I can be a hero! These things will never happen. And therefore, you are safely sealed up in the loser cult. And you will never actually do anything of courage in your own life. Because all of the superhero movies and all the magical movies are telling you is that you can't win. Because magic doesn't exist. Superpowers don't exist. So you can't win. Don't even try. It's a way of making sure that you never stand up to evil. It's a way of making sure that you never display the necessary gradations and steps of moral courage that get you to be a hero in the world and in your own life. These things are entirely sealing you into the amniotic sac of the loser cult. That's why they're so dangerous. Let's see here. I thought of something very vindictive. If your parents are abusive in childhood, you can always threaten them by cutting them offer more contact with their future grandchildren. Well, see, but if you're engaged in abusive threat wars with people, you've already lost. You've already lost. You've already lost. And the grandkids will see that and they will say, wow, okay, so my dad, this is how you deal with things. What happens then when your kids become teenagers and want something that you don't want them to have or want to have friends that you don't want them to have or want to be part of something you don't want them to be part of? They'll just say, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to separate from you as soon as humanly possible if you don't let me have what I want because they've seen you threatening the grandparents with ostracism. No. My, my daughter has never seen me threaten anyone with ostracism because that happened a long time ago. All right. Um, somebody says, I've listened to you for years, a decade by now. I finally have a question. I made two youthful convictions I've kept to my old age. 
Use banks as little as possible, no loans. Don't work for corporations. I've never been able to explain 100% why, but I know it's been good for me. Can you comment on these? Because I still at times question those decisions. Well, I think that uh, the use of the traditional financial system is going to become increasingly tenuous if the social credit scores in plans uh, keep getting rolled out. So I think it may be time to question the value of the tradition, like participation in the traditional economic system. But no, I don't, I don't have an issue with borrowing money from a bank. I, I mean, I, I had to co-sign loans for exorbitant amounts of money to make payroll when I was an entrepreneur. Pretty scary, let me tell you. Pretty damn scary, because those things survive bankruptcy. So I could have been in debt an ungodly amount of money just to keep a business going. But that's why you make some coin as an entrepreneur, right? Because you take on these kinds of uh, risks. So, no, look, if you want to, if, if you you get married, you have kids, and you want a house rather than an apartment, then you, you can go to a bank and you can, you know, put down, don't put down 5%. Like, I mean, but you can put down something on a house and then you can have the money. Uh, you can have the house, right? So, so why does this stuff exist? Why does it exist? It exists because we're mortal. And, and because we're mortal, we want things now rather than later. And we're, we're willing to pay to have them now rather than later, right? I mean, you know, if you order anything online, you will get these options, right? Well, you can get it tomorrow and it's going to cost you 50 bucks. So you can get it a week from now and it's going to cost you 25 bucks. So we can send it to you in two weeks and it costs you five bucks. Okay, well, if you want it sooner, you'll pay more, right? So because we're mortal, we want things sooner rather than later. And other people who saved their resources, I'm talking about the theory of banking, not the sort of modern fiat currency stuff. But yeah, wanting stuff now rather than later, borrowing money to do that, perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. So I don't think that avoiding banks is necessary. You have to manage it. I don't think avoiding credit cards is necessary. You can get a lot of great bonuses out of credit cards. Right? I mean, it used to be air miles, but you can get a lot of great bonuses. You could save money if you use credit cards. You've got to pay them off every month because the interest is high, very high, and only going to get higher. So it's the kind of thing like if you can't, if you don't have discipline, then... You know, and discipline is, is, okay, I want things now because I'm mortal, but I'm also going to live long enough to regret massive overconsumption in, in the here and now and debt down the road. So you've got to have that. It's a, it's a median. It's a bell curve. It's Aristotle's mean, right? You don't pretend like you live like you have no future, but you don't pretend like you live forever, right? So you don't live for the now and you don't live for eternity because that's not a realistic evaluation of your own lifespan as a whole, right? You can't live like, well, I could, I'm going to get hit by a bus tomorrow because I wouldn't be doing show today. I'm going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. But at the same time, you're going to get hit by the bus of mortality at some point and, and just go with the averages and so on, right? So it's kind of like if, if, if you can't control your sugar intake, then don't have sugar in the house. And that's fine. To get you out of the addiction, just don't have sugar in the house, right? Just don't have stuff in the house, right? I used to love, you know, chips, cookies, chocolate, you know, just don't have that stuff in the house because I'm not going to go and drive to get it if I have a sudden craving. I just, so until you're over the addictions, and then, then you probably don't even want them in the house anymore. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting money in a bank, with, with getting a mortgage, with, you know, living in a house and, and paying it off over time and all that, that's fine. If you make a bunch of money, you can just pay off the mortgage early, right? I don't think a variable rate mortgage is a very good idea at the moment, right? I'm not trying to give anyone any financial advice, just tell you my own sort of personal thoughts. Don't work for corporations? Well, I think that is increasingly becoming not just a good idea, but kind of a necessity because uh, corporations are becoming increasingly woke and, and uh, especially if you're a white male, I mean, you've got problems with diversity and so on, right? So... 
Who here can't do five pull-ups? <laughs> That's interesting. Let's see. This inflation is nothing compared to the war on terror inflation. It's not nearly as bad as everyone makes it seem. I don't agree with that. Uh, you just look at the uh, money supply. You know, just look at the money. 80% was it 80% of all the money in America, uh, US dollar bills printed, have been printed in the last couple of years. So, uh, no, I don't think it's the same. I look at superheroes as an ideal to live up to. No, you don't. It's like, I'm sorry, you just don't. Because if, if you wanted someone you could look up to, you would choose something that is attainable and achievable, and you cannot attain superhero status. You cannot get magical powers. And you won't be fighting people with magical powers, except for the psychological magic called propaganda. So what is the ideal? What is the ideal to live up to? What does that even mean? You can't, do, you can't possibly do what they do. The only superpower that we have as mortals is courage. That's the only superpower that we have. And courage, is the Canadian housing market going to crash? Well, I mean, it's driven by the, Canada has the highest immigration per capita of any Western country, of any country in the world, just about. So that's driving the price of housing way up. And this was just recently admitted by the government. So it will continue to rise as long as the immigration continues. And uh, if inflation gets too bad, immigration will diminish, right? I feel like women who are also who are near the wall rush things. I tend to avoid women near the wall now. I think you mentioned you and your wife getting together later in life. I'm curious if there were any sense of rushing and how you feel about dating women near the wall. Well, I think it's fine, but she just needs to be honest about it and say, yeah, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a hurry. I, ha I have a clock, and that's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that if she's honest about it and forthright about it and so on. But So, yeah. Steph, I let my children watch Marvel. Is it damaging to them? Well, again, it's not damaging to them as long as you talk about what's happening. Right? If your children genuinely believe that you have to be able to fly in order to be a hero, then they're basically telling themselves they can't be heroes. So you just have to talk about, like, okay, what is the most amazing thing? What is the most amazing power that you could develop in your own life? Oh, I mean, that, that could actually happen. So, oh, I'd like to be able to fly. It's like, well, you can't fly, right? So what's the most amazing power that you could develop in your own life? That's your superpower. For me, it's moral courage. Uh, eloquence, moral courage, right? So uh, your daughter has no contact with your mother. What are the circumstances behind that? Oh, um, mother is an uh, unrepentant child abuser. So let's see here. Duh. How can we ask you more interesting questions? <laughs> Just dig deep. Look, we're all struggling with big questions in the world, all struggling with big issues in our life. There's no, that, that's just the way, that's the way of life. And particularly in a sort of a decay civilization situation. So just dig deep. If you dig deep into what's really on your mind, you know, the 3 a.m. stuff, then there'll be great questions. Uh, I had no, oh, sorry, hang on a sec here. Where you go? Hey, Steph, what are your thoughts on OnlyFans models stabbing their boyfriends? Seems like four articles last month. Well, if you treat yourself like a piece of meat, you fall into the endless chasm of the mammal. Right? So we have the mammal, our bodies, our evolution, our physical flesh and lusts and needs, and it's perfectly fine. fine. It's the bedrock and foundation of our humanity. But we also have the higher self, right? The, the abstract self, the, the divine self, you could say, the soul, right? The, the ghost in the machine, the capacity to philosophize, to reason, to think. Morality 
is a term that only applies to human beings. If we treat ourselves like pieces of meat, which is generally the OnlyFans or whatever it is. Was it OnlyFans? Yeah. So if you treat yourself like a piece of meat, that the only thing that is of value to you is your flesh, then the flesh is all you will become. Right? So when a lioness is in heat, she expects the male lion to copulate with her many times a day. And if he doesn't, she will chew at his testicles until he does. Nature is all violence. Someone displeases you, you hit them. When you, you look at look at the dominance behavior of apes, it's just fighting. Look at stags, look at you see everywhere cuttlefish with their pretend to be gay and right going in to, to mate with the women. So nature is all violence and deception and predate predation and, and win lose and, and all of that. And so if you treat yourself as a piece of flesh, the flesh is all you are. And apes will kill each other, of course. So this is the great danger of treating yourself as a piece of meat is you become soulless, you become a mere mammal, and you become nature. Not humanity, you become nature. And nature is violent, and nature will kill like that. Let's see here. Steph Mott is a ruse operated by the World Economic Forum. He only answers questions that guide us lost sheep towards eating the bugs. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Uh, Steph, every superhero has their kryptonite. Something impedes us all. No. No, because every superhero has their kryptonite. That, see, Superman's kryptonite is an external thing. Right? Whereas what occurs for us is internal. And of course, Superman's kryptonite is his childhood, right? It's where he came from. Why hasn't gold tripled in price? Um, because money's going into crypto and Bitcoin and, and real estate and other things, right? Jesus Christ allegedly had superpowers. It is an ideal to strive for. Um, but the commandments that Jesus gave his followers was not become magical. It was very specific commandments, sell your belongings and uh, give money to the poor and, and strive to achieve the Ten Commandments, which are all achievable by mortal man. He didn't say to his followers, you will only be virtuous when you can heal people with a touch like I can. When you will only be virtuous when you can walk on water. He never said that to anyone, to my knowledge. What he said was, here are the moral rules that you, I'm here to inspire you, but the rules for you are absolutely achieve, achievable and attainable. In Star Wars, the Force can be an allegory for having a high IQ. No. In Star Wars, the Force is an allegory for propaganda. That's all it is. Because it's a way of controlling people without reasoning. Controlling things without reasoning. Controlling things without science. Controlling people without reasoning or proving anything right. Yeah, you no longer see movies made with a normal guy doing cool things to defeat a bad guy. Well, but die hard again, it's all about violence, right? It's all about violence. You will never be in a situation where you have to cross broken glass in order to escape a building because there are terrorists, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, That's never going to happen. By presenting you these impossible moral scenarios, these impossible physical scenarios, they're basically saying morality has nothing to do, courage has nothing to do with the world that you actually live in, that you actually can achieve things in. Uh, I've not watched Watch the Water documentary on Rumble. Uh, so my dad failed to protect me as a child. I realized it. I realized it while reading real-time relationships. I wanted to confront him, and a counselor told me I can do it 
through therapy without bringing him into it. He's turning 90, and I know he'll say he never meant to harm me. Is this okay, in your opinion? I don't know. I mean, this is a question of a statute of limitations, and... I mean, if he's on his deathbed, it's kind of a rough thing to, to bring up. Uh, it really depends. If his health is decent, then let's say he's going to live for another couple of years. Do you want him to live those couple of years with the truth or not the truth? And again, I can't answer that for you. But there is an argument to be made that bring the truth to him because it's healing for him and it's healing for you. And he owes you, right, if he failed to protect you. Uh, as a child, then he owes you. So again, if uh, if his health isn't all that, right, it's a possibility. Somebody says, I took the swine flu vaccine over 10 years ago. I had problems with my breathing ever since. Was a semi-pro skier. I had to give it up. I managed to avoid the latest corona vaccines. Yeah, the, the swine flu was pretty wild. They had a vaccine back in the day and very few people died. It was administered to, I don't know, like a third of the American population. Only a couple of dozen people died. They shut the whole thing right down. Right down. Crazy. Let's see here. A new BBC Children's Guide to Racism written by a Black Lives Matter activist. One question asking, do your parents have negative views on immigration? Well, I mean, as far as I know it, uh, a lot of people in the third world have negative views. Not that BLM is third world, but a lot of people in the world have negative views on immigration. I mean, go and ask the natives in North America what they thought about the white man coming. They have negative views on immigration. Go ask people in India what they thought about all the British coming over. They have negative views on immigration. There's lots of people who have negative views on immigration throughout history and across the world. So... Don't you think it's ridiculous that a person who lives in a moral who lives a moral life would go straight to hell for being an agnostic and not having faith in the existence of God? Uh, so, I mean, this is theology and philosophy, which is something I'm increasingly fascinated with. I'm just going to do another couple of minutes because I have another call at four, and I want to get a little bite to eat before that. So, I'll tell you briefly what what that's all about. Okay, so until UPB. Universally Preferable Behavior, A Rational Proof of Secular Ethics. You can get it for free. Freedomain.com forward slash books. Really should. Or you can also get it at, at EssentialPhilosophy.com. There's a, a short summary of it in the last third of the book. So prior to UPB, there was not an absolute delineation and explanation of secular morality. So if people believed that the oughts come from God, the, the moral commandments come from God and no other place. And since Hume, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, where he, I think, fairly decisively made the case that you cannot get an ought from an is, and I found a way around that, but I'll sort of get into that right now. So let's just take his case at pace value. You can't get an ought from an is. The fact that uh, you push someone off a cliff and they fall and die, that's an is. But why ought you not do it? And the answer from religion is God has commanded it to not. God is the ultimate moral arbiter. And by the way, you'll go to hell if you do, and you'll go to heaven if you don't, maybe. So without a secular delineation of morality, all who rejected, all who rejected the God-given source of morality were amoral at best and immoral, most likely. I mean, just look at it, right? Look at the relationship between atheism and the worship of government. You just made a more dangerous God in place of the old one, right? Because the old God defended free will. The new gods violate free will and property on a regular basis. So for the religious people, we're saying, look, I live a good life without 
the commandments of God? The answer is no, you don't. Because you can't. Because you can't get an ought from an is. So if you say you've given up on God, if you say you don't have faith in God, you can't live a good life. I mean, you might live a, trying to be nice, and, and, but you can't live a moral life without morality. It's like saying you can be a scientist without science. You can't live a moral life without morality. You can't exercise without moving. And so until UPB, if somebody said, well, I live a good life, but I don't believe in the only source of morality, I don't believe in morality, I've redefined morality to be some bullshit evolutionary Darwinian reciprocal altruism nonsense, right? Then it's by definition tautological almost. Can't be a scientist without science. You can't be moral without morality. And until UPB, there was no secular proof of morality. So saying, well, I'm an agnostic, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in morality, but I'm a moral person, it's like, no, you can't be. You, it's, it's impossible. You can have feelings, you can be nice, you, but you can't be moral. My daughter can't be a scientist just because she uh, likes to raise tadpoles. It doesn't make her a biologist, right? Some great insights today. I hope to donate some Bitcoin to you soon. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. My oldest boy is 11. I want to introduce him to philosophy. Any ideas on books? Um, I mean, I think uh, essential philosophy uh, could definitely, if your kid's smart, and I'm sure that he is at 11, uh, go for that. All right. I think I should probably close off now and make sure I get enough food to have brain glucose for the next call. Thank you, everyone, so much for dropping by today. Such an enormous pleasure. Freedomain.com forward slash donate to help me out. I would hugely appreciate that if you would be so very kind. And um, freedomain.locals.com for a great community. And uh, lots of love from up here. Mwah, my friends, let's do the Wednesday. We did a Wednesday thing for a while, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's get back to that. And uh, remember, a new book's coming. So uh, take care. Thanks a lot for your support. Love you guys. Bye.